What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Kyle Thumb, and this is the Solar Growth Podcast. And today, our podcast is brought to you by my company, which is solarboom.io. Everything that your solar business needs to go boom. If you have any interest in marketing or other resources that can help solar sales pros, make sure to check out solarboom.io. And now, let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? This is the Solar Growth Podcast, a podcast designed to help solar professionals to grow their business and close more deals. My name is Kyle Thumb with CleanEnergyMarketing.com, and I am your host who interviews top sales and marketing professionals to get the inside tips and strategies that are currently working in the solar industry. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Now recording. All right. So this is uh, the Solar Growth Podcast number 12. I'm 95% sure. Um, today, I'm talking to Daryl Dexter. Um, so Daryl is actually someone who would have been probably on one of my first episodes, um, but he's kind of a hermit where he doesn't like to uh, put himself out there all that much, or at least he didn't used to. He's, he's, trying, he's getting better about it. I'm getting um, because, better. Because Daryl is the person who, um, when I, I decided that I wanted to move into the solar industry, I went to Daryl and Daryl helped me to kind of learn to give me a shortcut so that I didn't spend a year, year and a half learning things that obviously he's already learned. So he's kind of like a mentor for me. Um, we, we don't chat all that much because he's so popular that everyone wants to reach out to him and I try to give him his space and time. But I asked him last week if he was wanting to chat and here we are. So Daryl, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So uh, just to get started, um, like you just found out that I have a Facebook group and uh yeah. which, which is hilarious to me but can you uh for anyone who's watching this and maybe hasn't um talked to you before can you just give us a little bit of your background yeah so i've been doing facebook lead generation since 2012 and i started with a friend who wanted to quit uh heating and air conditioning place that we were both working so i i was selling uh heating and air and solar in person uh, i was a kitchen table closer commission only uh, sort of deal and so the guy asked me if I would be able to help him generate some leads. And I had uh, dabbled into the Facebook lead generation, but I really didn't know it a whole bunch or so I thought. And before I knew it, I got on uh, Facebook and I was generating HVAC leads for him for like 12, 15 bucks a piece. And so transition uh, from that to just learning a bunch of other things, um, solar being one of the main ones now. But that's uh, that's how, how I got started in the industry. I've always been a lover of marketing and lead generation. And whatever company I was at, I would always have these ideas that nobody would listen to, right? And so Facebook advertising and lead generation gave me an outlet to express myself and to prove that I actually know what I'm talking about, right? So that's how that's how I ultimately ended up here. Very cool. So one of the things that I think is unique about you is you started sales and then you learned marketing. And now you're actually kind of in a way transitioning back to sales, which is, is cool because obviously you've kind of mastered both. Um, mm -hmm. So what you mentioned all those different industries that you came from. What was it about solar that attracted you to the solar industry when you compared it to, to those other ones? Like, what about it specifically grabbed your attention? To be honest, I didn't know you could 
help people and make that much money at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Um, put it. And and so it was just like a win-win for me because candidly speaking, I've always wanted to make a lot of money. Um, and so I started trying to do stuff like, you know, real estate uh, before, and I really didn't like, like it very much. Um, but then when I started seeing things like saving people, you know, 50, a hundred dollars a month on their bill, sometimes in California, in some instances, two to 300 bucks a month, that actually meant a lot to me. And I felt like I was doing my part for the planet. Um, and I was doing my part for my family. So Heating and air conditioning, um, that was something that was was really great too because I was able to show people the differences into what they should really buy versus what the slimy sales guy said they should buy. And so I took my job seriously because I hate when people get scammed and I hate when people do something that they think is going to help but in the end, they just wasted a bunch of money for nothing. So it allowed me to be a consultant to really help people. So that that's that's really why I got um, I floated more towards the solar. Yeah, and uh, that's obviously I'm my whole thing is like you asked me actually just before we went live was why like when did I start doing this and why and the main thing is is uh, there's a lot I mean there's hundreds and hundreds of solar professionals out there and. Um, I remember when I actually got done, um, when, when you were, were done training me in the ways of, uh, a lot of the special solar marketing stuff, uh, I, I went in, I spoke to like hundreds and hundreds of solar pros and I couldn't believe how many of them have been scammed yeah. and the people that, uh, were scammed by someone who, uh, maybe wasn't even a real person. It was just someone who messaged them on Facebook and they thought it sounded like a great idea and it sounded so good yeah, to be true. true. And then but not only did it happen, but everyone it happened to them like four five, six times. Like yes. where they, they had given up on marketing. And when you look at the numbers in the solar industry, like if you have any sort of money at all, like you, there's no reason not to put it in there because it's super profitable as long as you don't absolutely suck. Um, <laughs> and that, that's an important, that's an important thing to know. You have to make sure that you don't absolutely suck. Absolutely. Um, so what, what do you think is, what industry do you think is the most similar to solar that you've had experience with? Like, is there um, any industry where you've been able to take your, your kind of sales and marketing um, that you've learned for solar and you've seen it work really, really well elsewhere? Yeah. So the only other industry that I feel like helps people just as much as the solar industry is the life insurance industry and more specifically final expense life insurance. So back in, it was like somewhere between 2012 and 2010, or 2010 and 2012, I had my own insurance agency uh, before I knew how to market. So I was uh, getting up in the morning, putting stuff on Craigslist, and I had recruited about, <clears throat> excuse me, about 40 agents in three months. And so we totally exhausted our sphere of influence. And after we totally exhausted our sphere of influence, nobody knew what to do for leads after that. And Craigslist dried up, right? Um, and the reason why I really liked uh, life insurance and final expense is because when you pass away, like I, I grew up in a neighborhood where when someone passed away, you know, here come the car washes, you know, 
Um, here come the bake sales. And so for someone to be able to just spend a little bit of money a month and have their family be taken care of, it just makes a ton of sense to me. And so when I was, when I was out there, um, when I was out there selling final expense myself, I felt good about what I was doing. And I knew that I was contributing to, you know, a problem that really should be solved in every community. And I feel the same way about, about solar. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, I love that. I love, number one, I just got life insurance for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. But <laughs> to be honest, I got it because of uh, this whole coronavirus thing. Yeah. Uh, which I'm glad, I, I'm glad I did because I'm actually uh, not feeling so hot. Like I've been sick the last few days. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best. Uh, <laughs> But life insurance is one where you're right. I mean, it helps somebody like it really is a much mm -hmm. easier selling. Anyone who's ever sold something that they didn't truly believe in, um, they can tell you it's just different. You can just tell it's, it takes more energy to be authentic and you have to like lie to yourself and then you feel like you're yeah. lying to the customer. And it, it, there's really a few industries where you can just feel awesome about the, the job that you're doing and what you're selling. And, and definitely solar is one of those industries. And that's why uh, people like me and you, came to it because it's just so much more fun. Um, yeah. and, and you're like, Oh, I mean, this is a really, this is like an easy selling. Wait, how much is commissions? It's like, what? This is awesome. Uh, so one of the things I think that you, um, taught me quite a bit about was, um, holding, uh, your partners. So when I say partners, I mean, holding your clients. So the people that have hired you to generate them leads, holding them accountable and kind of training them with the right mindset and the right approach to take leads and turn them into appointments. Yes. Um, so, so my question for you is like, what do you think is like the number one thing that someone should know if they're working with online leads for the first time? They need to know how crappy it can be to reach out to a lead who just put in their information and they say, oh, I didn't do that, <laughs> right? They need, they need to know that just as good as online leads are, they can also give you just as bad of a time, but just because you have a few that are bad doesn't mean that the whole batch is bad. It just means you have to go through some people before you get to, um, to somebody who actually you know wants to talk and they didn't fill out information because they're bored. And it doesn't matter how much information you request from them because they just become a more expensive tire kicker. And so what I've learned is that you ask for just basic information and get them on the phone. And when you get them on the phone, you build a relationship. I think a common misconception is that just because a customer or a lead or a prospect puts in their information, they can fill out a form that's two pages long. If you don't get on the phone and create a relationship, if you don't pick up the phone and call them the right way, then it doesn't matter how qualified you think the lead is, it's, it's just gonna turn into, you know, turn into nothing. Because when you call someone, people are so busy, right? People are so busy doing, doing a bunch of stuff. I know for myself, I put in my information on stuff on, on a Facebook lead form or a landing page, and I got a call 10 minutes later and forgot 
that I put, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I did put in my information. So I, you know, I pick up the phone and if they approach me and say, you know, hey, Daryl, you know, this is Kyle returning your phone call. And I'm, who? Kyle, you just, uh, you were on Facebook and, and you liked our post about, you know, our offer. Oh yeah, I remember that. So it's the approach first and then uh, it's making that connection because unless people really know who you are, they're not gonna buy from you. For sure, and you kind of started getting into it there with my next question, which is gonna be, um, so say you are getting a, someone who submitted information, um, they submitted mm -hmm. a Facebook form or a landing page, and you're, you're getting them, you're, they answer the phone in about the first 10 minutes. Uh, within that, for, you get them on the phone quickly. What, uh, what kind of script would you recommend that a solar professional use? So whether it's a solar pro uh, professional or real estate or whoever it is, um, whatever your offer is on that landing page or on that ad, you just want to pick up the phone and, and say, hey, Kyle, this is Daryl Dexter returning your phone call and just pause. Don't say anything. And then after they think, they're like, who in the, who? Oh, yeah, you know, it, it's me. You, you were on Facebook. And you liked our post about our offer about the, the new pool with the, you know, the rubber duck in it or something, right? Um, and they go, oh, yeah, the rubber duck, right? <laughs> and, and you say, yeah, so I just had a, a few questions for you. Wanted to see whether or not this is going to be a good fit. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I invite you to ask me some questions as well. And at the end of the call, if you feel like this is something that's a good fit, we can figure out where to go from there. Does that sound fair? And then you let them answer. Yes, that sounds fair. Awesome. And you get right into your, your script. But when, when you call someone and they pick up, you don't say something like, hey, I was calling about the pool in the red. No, don't. Because then they're, they're like, huh? Oh, I'm not, I'm not interested. And they hang up. And you think to yourself, what just happened? Like, I know they just filled out this form. I know they're interested. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. But when I call them and I, and I say, you know, what, what they fill out the form for, they hang up. It's because when people, you call people that are not used to hearing your voice, they don't know your phone number, they look at the phone and they automatically think, who is this? And they pick up and they hear you jabbering about some offer, then they think you're a telemarketer, even though they just filled in the information. So when you tell them, you know, this is, you know, this is Daryl Dexter returning your phone call. How are you doing, Kyle? It drops down their guard and they're just like, wait, huh? And you open up, you open up the gate just long enough for you to like get through. You know what I mean? And so that's the, that's actually something I'd recommend that people do when they're calling uh, leads online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a big echo on your end. Oh, I think it's good. Um, so a couple of things that you touched on that I'm always telling people about is number one, when you phrase it in a way that's similar to how you just did, what you're doing is you're making them first acknowledge that they are the ones who requested this. So mm -hmm. obviously you're not calling them cold because you're saying, Hey, remember you asked for this. And, and I love that. And I also um, think that your uh, intro is, I think you have it mastered and you can tell that your, your sales background there is uh, you, with your tonalities. Um, I think it's really good. You want to give them an easy way to answer to acknowledge that they are the ones that requested this. And then from there, uh, you want to do that, get their buy-in and get them to accept the conversation before you even move forward to the next questions. Um, Absolutely. So <clears throat> let me ask you 
what is your your thoughts on sending a text message before your first phone call? Because I have tested and you know it always seems to be uh, all over the map, and some people report that they have a better experience when they text before they call, um, mm -hmm. and like gives them an idea so that they know which number who the person is that's actually calling them. Um, but you know it's kind of been. I've seen results all over the map. So let me, I'm just curious from a professional to another, what is your um, thoughts on texting someone before uh, getting on the phone with them? Good question. If I had it my way, I would like to tell everyone the same thing and it worked the same exact way every time, right? Um, I found that every market's different. And to be quite honest, I don't know why. Um, I don't. I don't know why I can do a, a campaign in Tennessee and they'll pick up the phone right away. No text message needed. But you do another campaign in Vegas or Arizona or something like that, people won't pick up the phone that, unless you text them first. And so it really comes from testing whatever market that you're in. I have a client in California who's spending two to $3,000 a day um, in Facebook ads and they have a call center. So they, they can't text before they call, but they're doing really good. And so I would say that if I had a lead and it were me, my campaign, I would probably send the text message first. And I would say, you know, Hey Kyle, this is Daryl Dexter. I'm going to be giving you a phone call in the next five to 10 minutes. I see you liked our post, not responded to our ad. I see you liked our post about getting the pool with the big rubber duck in the back, right? So I'm just going to all explain that to you. That's their opportunity to see it and e either say, no, I'm busy. Can you call me after five? Are they're going to pick up or they're not going to pick up either way, right? Um, but but that's, the way, that's the way I would do it. But um, for those who can't and they have call centers, that's okay too. You just call three times a day at different hours. So if, if you called at nine o'clock, they didn't pick up, totally fine. Call again at 1 p.m., didn't pick up, totally fine. Call again after 6.30 p.m. And then if they don't, they don't pick up then, I recommend that they change the times that they call. So if they called at 9 a.m., uh, today, tomorrow, I want them to call at 10 a.m. and so forth and so on. So hope that answers the question. For sure it does. And um, it actually kind of moves me to um, number one key there is persistence, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, dude, I remember I had a I had a client once and they, I think they messaged me like seven hours into the first campaign and they, they got a whole like one person like, Oh yeah, it's not working. And I'm like, oh. yeah, I was like, okay, number one, number one, I, I, they could, yeah, you're, I mean, the leads could be crap. Like, I mean, it's possible that maybe the market's not responding the way that I anticipated, but it's way too early to make any decisions about anything. Um, similarly, yeah. I mean, I've had, I remember I had a client in um, New Mexico and I think he, he closed the lead like, 10 hours after he closed the deal like 10 hours after the ads were turned on and so it goes both ways but it is yeah. a it's a numbers game I mean, you're never going to yeah. get the same exact results day from day and another thing about that is i want to touch on with uh, get some insights from you is cold leads uh mm -hmm. and we we're actually both friends with a, a marketing guy um, alex brittingham and yeah. one of the things that he uh talked about that i like to use as a kind of like an example is Think about like Invisalign, like there's or Invisalign, I guess, it, no, it's laser eye surgery. Laser eye surgery 
is something mm -hmm. that like, I swear I opted into some forms like a year ago about laser eye surgery. And yeah, I was interested and I still am interested. It's just not that right time yet. But the, 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 the company that is able to have a systematic follow-up process with leads that are one month old, even six months old, even 12 months old, um, they're the ones that are going to be able to find success because they're going to be pulling deals that um, they already paid for, even if it's mm -hmm. just, by, just by having consistent follow-up process. So my question to you is, what is your um, kind of like recommended drip sequence for leads once, once they've gone cold? That's a good question, man. And my answer to that is phone call. <laughs> I know they, they have a bunch of different um, automation uh, software where, you know, they can send out messages for the next six years, you know, um, and one of these days a customer is going to buy. And that, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm too old school, but I just recommend that after there's a 30 or 60 day drip sequence and you sent you're exhausted all your emails, right? You have no more to send. You know, you've sent the text message once a week. You have no more to send. It's been 60 days, right? I, I just recommend having someone call or you call yourself. And if someone can follow up once a week after, you know, 60 days, just once a week, just touching base, just call in, see how everything's going. Are you ready to move forward yet? <clears throat> I think that means a lot. I have a lot of customers who I'll generate a bunch of leads the first month, right? And they'll make sales, they'll make, they'll make money, and they're happy with it. However, if they keep calling the leads from last month, they get an extra five to six sales that following month in addition to the new leads that come in. And so that's because they don't give up. I have, I have my own uh, solar sales team myself and we're still selling from leads I generated back in October of last year. And so, but it's all about that follow-up. I wish I could tell you I was a big fan of like the, you know, the drip sequences and the emails and stuff like that. I just think that's lazy stuff, man. Like, I, and I know it's smarter, you know, work smarter, not harder uh, to some people, but it's something about having the homeowner pick up the phone and hear your voice rather than see the text message or an email. And so I just feel as though if you can either hire somebody or do it yourself to where after the 60 days have, have gone by, you can get someone to contact that person once or twice a week. They can hear a voice. They can get used to hearing you. And so they can trust you and go, all right, you know, you've been calling, you know, for two months, let's, let's go ahead and do it that's more realistic to get the lead moving forward rather than them saying, okay, I see you text message me, you know, 15 times, let's go. I just don't think that's how, how it, um, how you make more sales. And that's just being honest with you. Hope that answers the question. No, completely. And uh, I love, I think too many people when they use technology like that, they, they overdo it. And they do get lazy and less likely to actually dial the phone. And the, the main thing is, is that you need to get people on the phone. Like we, I don't, I tell people, we don't care if the lead's not qualified. We don't care if the lead's crappy. We want to get them on the phone so they can tell us that. And we can just say, oh, well, thank you so much. But unfortunately you don't qualify. And the sooner that we can just get that information from them and remove them from the list, 
um, the more time we're going to be spending with leads that are still open opportunities. Uh, and I also, I do think that people rely on those drip sequences where they have like text messages and emails like every other day for like a, the first year. And mm -hmm. what I found is it's actually much better to do a, like a really specific and targeted campaign, which means just keeping a list of all the leads that are still open that we haven't talked to, and then mm -hmm. making sure that we have campaigns that are relevant to the specific time. Just like when we're creating Facebook ads that mention the pandemic, we could mm -hmm. send we can send all of them a text message that mentions the pandemic, and say, hey, I mean, we we have this new offer where you can get twelve months bill relief plus five hundred dollars cash back. Would that be something you might be interested in still talking about? And if mm -hmm. you say, oh yeah, sure, I'd be open for a ten minute phone call, and then using it that way. Um, I do think that it, you, you want to, I think it's just more important to just keep a list of cold leads and don't give up on them. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Even, even um, if you don't have time to call them, so let's say over time, you know, you have 500 leads that haven't picked up the phone, right? Well, use a voicemail drop, you yeah. know, at, so at least they hear your voice. And that, that's really what I think I'm, I'm trying to drive home is that I want the prospect to get used to hearing my voice. That way, even if someone comes to knock on their door and say, hey, I'm here um, you know, in the neighborhood about the solar program, they go, oh, solar program, because every time they think solar, now they think about me because I call them so doggone much, <laughs> you know? So, so that's, uh, that's kind of what I, what I was uh, trying to drive home. Just get them to hear your voice um, and even voicemail drops work. So, yeah, voicemail drops. Uh, once again, don't abuse them. Uh, right. You can use them occasionally, and you you can use them like as a um, a part of your sequence. But you don't want to have voicemail drops scheduled like every other day for forever. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could. You know, it's not. I think overall, we want to make sure that we're trying the different channels, but we also have them spaced out. And as long as they're still feeling personal, you don't want them to know that it's a voicemail drop. Um, right. So obviously, that's a big thing. So the, the thing that made me ask you about uh, being on this, this or interviewing you for this was mm -hmm. um, you're, you're a very quiet person. Um, I, I think that's a good way to describe it. And you're not usually uh, posting your stuff out there, but you have been recently because you've been kind of rolling out some new um, free trainings and some new programs. Um, and you're, you're doing a little bit more of promoting yourself, which is awesome because I, I think you're a super knowledgeable guy. Um, Thank you. One of the things that you did was you created a YouTube series, uh, like uh, I think it's three or four videos. And it was about how um, to generate leads for any business. And mm -hmm. so can you maybe provide us with like, um, an overview slash some, obviously I'm not asking you to replace all the content, but can you give it, give, give us an idea of what it, what your steps are to generate leads for any business? Absolutely. So the first thing, um, if it's okay, I'd like to kind of talk about the background of it, uh, too, which is a lot of business owners, like, like you said earlier, they get scammed by these guys, right? And they, they don't have very much money. And, Sometimes, depending on the marketer that you're reaching out to, maybe uh, they don't have enough time and energy to do what you need because you really don't have enough money to pay them for their time, right? So they have to reserve that time for a customer that can pay them because they have bills too. So in a response to a bunch of business owners either not having any money or enough money or maybe they got scammed five or six times and now they've exhausted all their resources, they don't know what to do. 
the training um, helps them to really just take it step by step. I, I teach them the difference between uh, what the difference what the different campaigns are and what they actually do and my way of doing it. So my first step, uh, for instance, I had this guy who is a, a personal injury uh, attorney, and I'd never done uh, personal injury leads before, but I had a hunch that I could probably, you know, probably pull it off. So the first thing I did was I went to Facebook Audience Insights, right? Went to Facebook Audience Insights, and I started looking for people who were uh, interested in personal injury attorneys. Oh, look at that, right? Um, and then after that, I created a, I actually had a third-party page that I already created like three years ago when I was, uh, or two years ago, when I was doing a bunch of insurance marketing. So I just used that same page. And after I targeted people who were looking for, or interested in personal injury attorneys, I went over to where the, the ad copy and the pictures are supposed to be. And I thought to myself, what's the most natural car accident picture that I could put? Because I could put something with someone holding their neck or, you know, an ambulance or something like that. But I really wanted to bring it home and make people stop. So I had to go back uh, into Google. And then I went to like, uh, I think it's called Shutterstock. Um, I think that's what it's called. And so I had just got some pictures of some people that had gotten a wreck. Uh, some, you know, they were outside talking, you know, to the police officers. I put it as an ad picture and I just said, you know, if you've been in an accident, you know, within the last, uh, you know, 30 to 60 days, put in your information because you could qualify for some compensation. And before I knew it, I was getting leads uh, that way. But I always use Facebook audience insights. And I'm a big fan of uh, the Facebook lead forms because I've done landing pages versus lead forms versus surveys. So I've used Survey Gizmo, I've used uh, Survey Monkey, um, I've used Type Forms, I've used Click Funnels, I've used Lead Pages, I use uh, there's another site called Unbounce. I've used all those things, and in comparison to the lead form, I just keep finding out that really it doesn't matter. You get them on the phone, you create the relationship. And that's how it works. So that those are my steps to trying to generate leads for myself. Whatever I'm gonna do, I typically do lead forms, and then I go to Facebook Audience Insights, I'll type in the subject that I'm interested in, and then I'll see what kind of pages those people like. And then after I see what pages they like, what demographics they in, I take it from Facebook Audience Insights, I plug it into my targeting, and then it works. And so, Obviously, it's not always that easy, and I don't always get leads immediately when I do it, but after a while, after I spend a little money, I start to fine-tune my process, and then before I know it, I have consistent flow of leads. Awesome. Yeah. The Facebook lead forms is an interesting one because it's funny. It's like the one thing that marketers can't seem to agree on is yeah, um, some, obviously some people have made it work else but the one thing I think that impresses me most about Facebook lead forms is that Facebook is continuously just like improving them 
and their effectiveness where we're, mm-hmm. we're able to do more and more things within the Facebook lead forms themselves. And obviously yeah. Facebook, Facebook's goal is to make it easy for us to get leads, but their goal is also to make it easy for the people to submit their information. And it's definitely, I mean, there's usually a lower cost with lead forms and typically a lower quality, but it goes back to what you mentioned earlier, which is um, a lot of times when we get what was considered what's called higher quality, we usually just get a more expensive tire kicker. And Mm -hmm. we we don't care about uh, cost per lead as much as we care about what is our acquisition costs, how many, how, how much are we paying right now for every appointment that we're booking and that kind of stuff. So um, I'm interested. I want to hear, do you have any insight into what specific times of the day is best for someone who, who's calling leads? So like, I know there's, um, there's a lot of different philosophies and mindsets with it. So any specific times or just any other additional tips that you would have for someone who is starting to call leads for the very first time. Coming from someone who um, uses not only the system myself, but who started off, you know, doing it, I recommend this. So, so when I was uh, selling solar just on my own, and I had set my my campaigns for myself, I would literally wake up in the morning at about six o'clock in the morning, and I would hit the the on button, you know, on the campaign. And then I would let it go until about 7 or 8 p.m. And I had my phone ready. So I had a phone number that was specific to the Facebook ad so that when people hit the call Daryl now button, it would say new solar lead. And so I pick up the phone and I, I go, solar department, this is Daryl speaking. I may help you. And then, they, oh, yeah, so, uh, you know, your, your ad and and. You know, we have a house out in Livermore. Do you think uh, you can come out or would it be someone else? Oh, it's me, you know? And so those are the easy ones, right? Uh, But it's the other people that you're trying to chase. So for me, um, as I said before, sending that that text message really helps. But if I have a bunch of leads and you're asking me, what am I going to take this big bunch of leads and call them all at once? It would be prime time sometime between 6.30 p.m. and about 8.30 p.m. You can push calling till 9 because those are the laws. I believe uh, 9 p.m. is the federal law everywhere, or, or maybe I'm wrong, but I know in California, you can call until about 9 p.m., right? And so, but I've noticed that if you call people after 8.30, they start getting kind of weird, right? So I, I try and call them between... 6.30 and uh, 8.30, and the reason why I say 6.30 is because you, you can technically say, uh, call them at 5 or call them at 5.30. Well, if most people get off work at 5 and they're in traffic or they're driving home, they don't want to talk to you at 5.30, right? They're, they're hungry, um, and this is something I used to teach us when we were closing, is that hungry people don't buy, Right? So you want to make sure they're home, they're relaxed, you know, maybe they had a snack bar or something, and then you can talk to them. So in my opinion, it's always 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., hands down. And if they don't pick up between that time, then the next morning, I believe in calling between 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m., because typically after that, people are out of the house. For sure, yeah, afternoons specifically early afternoons right after lunch are uh, brutal 
from from the numbers perspective from what we see is mm-hmm. a lot of people are um, they're busy doing other stuff and even if you get them on the phone they're gonna be less likely to even be open to a conversation um, but that's interesting and it, I laughed and uh, I was smiling because you, you mentioned like you know people are weird after like 8 30 and I'm like I, I make fun of you because I, I, I said that you're a hermit I'm an old man like I, me and my <laughs> wife we're we're probably in bed like 8 30 most nights I mean I, wow. I, I sometimes like I work late like every other night but like uh-huh. when, when we go like to bed we're we okay to be fair we have a two-year-old right so we're, <laughs> She's up a lot. She's a lot. She's up a lot in the night. I don't know what my excuse is, but uh, we we go to bed early and I can't imagine what uh, what I would do if if I had you call my phone at 845 like, hey, is this Kyle? I'd be like, yes, I'm in bed. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. Uh, One last thing I want to ask you. This is kind of just a a very um, quick question that I want to get your insights on. what is your belief when it comes to uh, scheduling your ads? And what I mean by scheduling your ads is scheduling them during specific times versus running them all the time. Because obviously the Facebook algorithm seems to like consistency and that's why a lot of people have, um, ha- have preached about running them all the time. But I guess my question to you is just, what has your experience been like that? Have you ever tested it? What is your philosophy? So Facebook has a way of making me look like I have no idea what I'm talking about after I gave someone, you know, advice sometimes because they they change all the time, right? So in the beginning, uh, about two years ago, I used to teach let it run all the time because Facebook punishes people when you stop it, right? Now that's I'm finding out that's not true all the time. Um, I also used to tell people, no matter what, don't start the ad until the next day, sometime before 8 a.m. You know, if it's if you've gone too past, you know, too far past 9 a.m., then Facebook's going to take take your money. And I, I found out that that's not always true either, but sometimes it is. Um, I also used to make it a rule. Never, ever, you know, let the ad, so if you're budgeting something at $155 a day and it's already 5 p.m., don't let that add on because Facebook's just going to, you know, blast through it and take your money. And I've had Facebook do that to me from experience. But then there have been unicorn times where I forgot to schedule the ad for the next day and it starts at like 5 o'clock with a budget of like 100 and $30 or something like that. And the leads are coming in and I'm just like, what the, you know? So, but as a rule of thumb myself, uh, if, if I'm doing stuff in whether it's like Texas or Florida or something like that, I always set the ads to come on somewhere between six and 7 a.m. And I'll just let, if the ad is, you know, extremely successful, I'll just let it run up until like the evening time or the nighttime and I'll have either my assistant um, or I have myself, you know, turn it off or I'll run it on the schedule and then I'll have it start up again the next morning because what I'm finding out now is that a lot of the ads now, they, they're too unpredictable to tell people to do one thing or another it's almost like right now Facebook makes it so that you have to be more hands-on and you just have to do it based on whatever your experience is. 
because you'll have an ad today that'll get leads for $3.60 and you think you've made it. And then the next day, you know, you get two leads for 50 bucks a piece and you're like, well, what the heck just happened, right? And so I learned that every day is different. So now what I do um, is I'll turn on my ads in the morning and I'll come back and I'll check them four hours later. And if the ads that used to do good yesterday are performing poorly today, I'll just turn those off and let the other ones run. And then I'll just repeat the process again the next day. So I, I hope that answers the question. That's, that's super interesting. <laughs> I, uh, I love that thing about waiting four hours and turning them off like on a daily basis. Cause it, it yeah, Facebook is, you know, I almost think Facebook might be corrupt because the, the, type of, the type of variability that we see, like, okay, my ad was shown to 5,000 people yesterday and I got nine leads and it was shown to 5,000 people today and I got one. Doesn't like, make any sense. You know, it, Facebook is, is weird. I don't know. And obviously we just take them at their word that they've shown our ad to that many people. But it's it's interesting because there's definitely, like I, I always tell people, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. Like one, yeah. week, one week I'll be getting, you'll get leads for less than two bucks a piece and you're like, big ball in all excited and the next yeah. week you're like, Oh wait, I can't get them back under six. What's going on? <laughs> uh, you know, what's interesting about the scheduling thing is one person. Um, so I, I, a couple, probably two or three weeks back, I talked to Tony Flores, who's a, who's a mm -hmm. mutual friend of ours. Yeah. And one of the things that I know about Tony is I know that he, uh, he has his systems and processes down packed. And what I mean by that, but he does it differently where he likes to do like little batches where he'll, he'll turn ads <laughs> on for like a few hours and get like a thousand leads in like 30 yeah, hours. Span. <laughs> and you know, I thought about it and I, I tried it one time and I was like, you know, it makes a lot of like, cause you can, you can have a team ready to call them at that point. Yeah. Like, it's gonna, it can save a lot of time. You can get them on the phone. And then I tried to do it and I couldn't get anywhere near the cost that I wanted. And he's over here pumping out like $2 leads and I'm like over here, I can't even get my prices under like 15. I'm like, what is going on? How does he do this? So that's interesting because everyone seems to have like different beliefs when it comes to scheduling. And uh, I think if you can figure out what works for you, it's always best. Well, Daryl, thank you so much, man. It's been an awesome pleasure. Like I said, you're probably, um, you're like my biggest mentor in like the solar marketing world. And Thanks, man. I'm excited to have had the, this opportunity to chat with you. Um, for anyone who's listening to this or watching this, um, what would be the best way for them to, to reach out and contact you? Uh, they can go to uh, my website. They can find me on, on Facebook, obviously, Daryl Dexter. You can look me up. Um, but they can go to my website. I have a website called leadgenwithdaryl.com. Um, and I regret, regret that it's so long, but it's, we're here now, so there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, but leadgenwithdaryl.com, uh, or they can contact me on Facebook, or they can shoot me a text message, you know, 530-379-0004. Um, uh, and just ask me uh, any questions that they have, man. So that would probably be the easiest. And you're oh, laughing. Man, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know why you're laughing, because you're like, oh, you're actually going to pick up the phone? I might. I might. I'm, I'm laughing because I was like, dude, I, I thought me and Daryl were friends. I don't even think I have his phone number. I have to go add this to my phone right now. Um, so awesome, Daryl. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, I'll try to include a link to his website in the description of wherever you're watching this. Um, and it was a fun time. We, we learned a lot, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Likewise, man. Always a pleasure, Kyle. All right. Give me just one second. I'll just stop. 
Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for making it to the end of my little podcast here. That means you're one of the dozens and dozens of true supporters, and I greatly appreciate it. Um, I think if you made it all the way to the end, that means that you at least didn't hate the episode. Um, so I, I greatly appreciate that you uh, made it all the way through. And uh, since you're one of our dozens of supporters, I would love if you could go ahead and hit that subscribe button hit that follow button or whatever platform you're on, maybe go ahead and give us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. We appreciate that you tuned in to listen and we look forward to you listening again soon.